0: welcome to the divine style podcast where the journey to self-love and spiritual awakening begins i'm your host jillinda stella a psychic medium intuitive life coach and guide on your path to self-discovery here we delve deep into the heart of what it means to truly know and love oneself We are very blessed to be joined once again by Kelly Kennett, who is a devoted practitioner and instructor in the realm of Kundalini yoga, meditation, sound healing, and breath work. She's a beloved guide for those seeking a path to greater self-awareness, self-love, peace, and fulfillment. Thank you so much for joining us again today. I can't wait to talk to you about where we left off the podcast last time, which was how Kundalini has helped you to become more open hearted, and also how you've been able to use the divine energy to inspire you.
1: I was very creative when I was younger. I was, um, you know, through school and high school, I was very creative. I used to make jewelry, I used to paint fairies with glass paints, and I used to do a lot of creative things. And then Um, After I finished school and, you know, went to university, got a job, um, I started to become quite masculine, I guess, and really lose a a lot of my femininity and with that a lot of my creativity to the point where, you know, I would never wear jewellery, I would never wear dresses, um, I, I never did any creativity at all. And I remember my teacher, my Kundalini teacher saying to me, Kelly, you need to create. And she gave me all these paints and paintbrushes and canvases. and Here, you start painting. (laughs) And so I start painting and I was like, yeah. But when it really clicked over was um, my dad died. So I'd been doing Kundalini for a couple of years, had done um, my teacher training and started teaching. And then my dad died and two weeks after he died, I went on uh, kundalini yoga level two teacher training, which was a retreat for seven days, I think. Um, so I was still in that grieving process. You know, we talk about grief as being um, a heart opening process. I was still in that process. And on this training, there was a day um, and my bleed started. And I was like, oh, God, like I can't do breath of fire, you know, damn it. (laughs) And I remember sitting in in sadhana in our daily practice and the teacher of, well, one of the teachers who was running that retreat and the man who was teaching that morning class was a phenomenal um, teacher. And I remember having this moment where I was in meditation between postures because I couldn't do one. There's some kind of rules or suggestions of not what to do when you're bleeding. And um, I saw this moment where as a child I didn't feel safe because my dad wasn't protecting me and I stepped into my masculine. And it almost felt like I couldn't see that whilst he was alive. It was part of him dying enabled me to see that aspect of our relationship and I saw myself consciously as a child, well, not really consciously, but making a decision to step into my masculine and it was sort of like, and I made a very solid promise to myself in that moment that I was going to honour my feminine and I saw in a rush like all the times I had dishonoured her, you know, All the times I was bleeding and wished I wasn't and didn't rest and the times I'd said yes to sex when I didn't really want to say yes and the times I'd, you know, not stood up for women because I was always surrounded by men and it was easier just to take, you know, their path, which was often disrespectful and derogatory to women and it hit me like a flash And I saw this dark red energy come up from my womb space and fill my whole being, like this real deep opening to this feminine energy within me. And something deep shifted in me that moment.
0: Wow. I felt goosebumps as you tell me that. Like that's amazing.
1: Yeah, well, it was pretty phenomenal. And And then I had several days of the retreat of this teacher training to really integrate that too which was such a blessing and then i came home and next minute i'm like bracelets bracelets necklaces earrings <laughs> dresses like hair out like just hovered in jewels <laughs> and then um on that retreat there was a teacher who had been my teacher on level one training as well. And she spoke about doing left nostril breathing for 31 minutes for 120 days. And this was, I'd heard her say it and I'd heard her say it. And the third time I heard her say it, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And the reason I did it was not to awaken my feminine energy. I had no idea of that. It was all about um, resetting your metabolism and losing weight. And I was like, oh yeah, this would be a good thing for me to do. Um, so, so I did 31 minutes for 120 days, just breathing through my left nostril. And I didn't realize this at the time, but when we just breathe through our left nostril, we are activating our parasympathetic nervous system. And I had been in a sympathetic state, um, for quite a few years building up to that point. So it was a really deep reset of my nervous system into a parasympathetic state which for as a woman you know opens up your ability to receive pleasure to relax and um, you know opens up the depth and the beauty of orgasms and love making and so I had no idea that it was related to this meditation But these things started happening. Like it was a lot of sacral chakra kind of opening through this simple practice of left nostril breathing. But, you know, along about 60 days into that, I started to feel really unbalanced, like just out of whack, like I was, you know, feeling like I was swinging from being so in my masculine to all of a sudden up here, so in my feminine, and I felt wild like completely out of balance and I was like I'm just gonna stick with it just gonna stick with it I got to the 90 day mark and I was saying to my husband I think I'm just gonna stop like this is I'm out of control and he's like keep going you said 120 days in that time or just before the meditation that I'd done before I needed malas, a mala bead to count the repetitions of the meditation. So I had just started beading and started building up my collection of beads. And when I was doing, you know, from the 90 day level onwards, this creative force just, like, started moving through me. Like I'd be trying to sit still in meditation, but I'd just be having visions of these things I need to create. And, like, I'd finish my meditation, I'd go straight to my bead table. It's like, I have to make this before work. And it was just this exhilarating need to create. And my um, format for that was jewellery at that point in time. And I remember saying to my husband, like, oh, my God, like it's just these visions of things I've got to create. And him saying to me, like, you just need to ground yourself. <laughs> and I'm like, But I don't want to ground myself. This is exhilarating. <laughs> and, of course, he was right. Like I did have to eventually ground myself. But that um, that opened me up and that opened up my creativity immensely and, From there, I found this real beauty in creating with our hands and actually a lot of healing to come just from the process of creating something with our hands. And so I would make mala beads, um, 108 bead necklaces, and I would chant as I was making each bead, as I was knotting each bead. So it became a very meditative healing process for me and that act of creation is, To this day, something that is so important to me in my life, and something that I think is—you know—this. My opinion on this might change, but I think actually, creating is part of what we need to be really happy in this life. Creating stuff is what meets a soul need that nothing else does. And so now I do. I I run marla making workshops as well, and I love to guide other people in the creative process and it is it is a process it's a journey when you embark upon creating something with intention for yourself you know as an act of self-love to support you in some way and to create um, in that meditative space it's it, it's a journey. yeah it's beautiful. I love to um,
0: hold people in that space and witness them creating for themselves. People are often surprised, aren't they, when they've created something that it turned out better than they thought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and,
1: and what they learn about themselves along the way, it's, you know, inevitably something will go wrong at some point and then there's, you know, that's an opportunity to see, well, how do I deal with this, you know, how we how we deal with something in that creative process is how we deal with it in life and so it's an incredible space to learn things about ourselves without, you know, if you, if you wreck a mile bead, nothing's really going to go wrong but, you know, it's an opportunity to learn something and, and to um, find that compassion for yourself
0: within it one of the other things you mentioned too is as you doing these practice you're you're focusing on your breath and you did say you do a lot of breath work another thing that you do is sound healing Uh, how have you found integrating all these different practices I think they
1: definitely go together I mean the gong came to me because it's a it's a big part of kundalini yoga as it was taught to me and um, one of my favorite parts of doing teacher training and the classes was the gong bath at the end and the visions that I would receive and the spaces that the gong could take me to, um, you know, in terms of an altered state would just blow my mind. And also the physiological impact of it. Like I remember I used to go to Um, kundalini yoga class with ella on tuesday nights and she'd always play the gong at the end of it and i would do weights tuesday morning so by tuesday evening my muscles were always so sore and then ella would play the gong and uh, my muscles would just feel like soothed and like could just relax for a moment and i always felt so much better after that um so i think you know and also my opinion and my experience is that to go into a gong bath or a sound healing after doing some kundalini yoga some breath work opening up the channels as we've spoken about you're much more open to receiving the power of the sound or or, or the vibrations of the sound it's just It feels like a different experience and it's not uncommon at all for me to play at the end of one of my classes and people to start snoring within five minutes versus when I just do um, a sound healing without that preparation of our nervous system and, and getting us to that point of stillness, it does take people a little bit longer to really sink in and to let themselves go. There's beauty in all things and and there's healing to be had in so many different tools and modalities.
0: And so kundalini is, is this sort of mixed practice is what you're saying. So it's part movement, part breath and then the sound.
1: And the sound doesn't have to come from an instrument either. Like some of the deepest healing I've had from sound has come from chanting, not from an instrument outside of me. Wow. So from your own voice, I had to do part of the level two teacher training was a 90 day meditation of a chanting practice for 31 minutes, which was deep chanting, like loud and holding notes for a long time. And I could feel the sounds going to the parts of me that needed healing. And I was had this real sense that these sounds have their own innate divine intelligence and these sounds know how to heal us we just have to get out of the way and let them do that and i still feel that this at the moment i'm working with a chanting practice in my daily practice and it's only seven minutes but still i can feel the way the sound goes to where in my body or where my energetic system needs it to go and it's it's phenomenal it blows me away (laughs) you know I know I've been doing it for ages I'm like oh my god like I could feel it going there today how does it do that but this is this is the power of sound and vibration it's all it's all energy and I think some of these ancient sounds that have been chanted with specific intentions by many people over hundreds of years have a real
0: they have a consciousness they have an ability to heal us' It's true isn't it when they talk about words can build us up or they can bring us down One of the things that you mentioned there is that you're receiving What do you mean by that? When I talk about
1: receiving it's it's so it's va- it's a vast question it's a vast topic but I think of receiving as being open and feeling worthy enough to receive the gifts that are available to us and that may be the beauty of a sunrise you know the beauty of a flower a friend giving you a hug like to really receive the love that they're giving you in that and for me it's been a journey of well so closely linked to being worthy and to really owning my innate worthiness is from that space I I can receive because if I'm not worthy it's really hard to be able to receive all of these beautiful gifts that are available and there's you know there's an openness to being able to receive as well which can which can be energetic you know it can be a spaciousness that we cultivate within our energetic systems within our heart that allows the space to receive more into it this expansion that you know is so often spoken of i think is also an ability to receive it's this letting go of the limitations that we have placed upon ourselves upon our physical body upon our heart space you know whatever we're worthy of this this dissolving of our sense of self in that way allows us to receive so much deeper, and I know it's it's continue it's a continual journey for me. Like um, my ability to receive the beauty of a flower this year, you know, I didn't have that same ability to receive that beauty last year. I think you know if, if I track back to my first real experience of this was not through Kundalini yoga, actually. It was through um, a kinesiology session with Amy and um, her identifying a limiting belief I had that I'm not worthy of love and clearing that belief and going home that night to, at the time, my boyfriend who <laughs> now my husband, but having him, you know, stroke my face and, and give me love and me being like, oh, my God, I've never received this before like he's been loving me like this for years but finally I can feel it I can receive it I can let myself be loved and it was such a phenomenal experience um that yeah I just like it's a continual growth point for me I think it's something I want to work on how deeply can I receive
0: how and and so linked to my sense of worth So powerful when we recognize these things within ourselves, whatever those beliefs might be. I think my wound is, you know, has been similar. So I, I really feel what you're talking about in those moments of being able to allow someone to love you and to allow that to be felt is a really powerful thing. It's this like dissolving, which I think you know i don't even know that kundalini
1: is the path to that i think the path to that is more devotion and perhaps kundalini can be a practice of devotion and therefore can be the path but it is you know this this ongoing practice of devotion to god and then to you know that god which is us the god which is in me if i can be in such deep devotion to that, then I dissolve,
0: Kelly. That is so beautiful to think that when we devote ourselves to God, we devote ourselves to the God within us, and that allows us to dissolve. Do you think Kundalini is for everyone? I think
1: it's for everybody. So, I did a workshop on um, a couple of days ago. You- there was men, there was like four or five men in there, there was women, there was all ages from early 20s to 70s. Um, Some people could not do all of the postures, some people would lay down for a lot of the class or be in a rest pose for a lot of the class. It doesn't matter with kundalini, you're working with the breath, you're working with prana, you're working with um, energy and even just being in a group of people who are opening themselves up to that can be a really beautiful experience. So, you know, I would say yes, anybody, anybody can do Kundalini, but some people are just not going to like it like <laughs> <laughs> you know, some people are just going to go, oh, this is not for me. And that's totally OK, too. You know, pe- people will tend to know from the first session if this is their kind of thing or not. The way it can make you feel and the flow on impacts that it can have in your life to have a practice like this that's so deeply working with our nervous system and with our subtle energy um, is powerful and it's you know like I can't imagine where my life would be without this practice.
0: Gosh I could talk to you all day (laughs) 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 beautiful. I I hope everybody listening can feel what I'm feeling because there is so much truth and love in your words and what you bring. And I really want to thank you for your time today but thank you for following your self-love journey because we get to share in that too and it's just so beautiful to see and to get to experience that with you so thank you
1: thank you Jelinda. such an honor to be on your podcast my first
0: one ever Woohoo!
1: thank you so much
0: <laughs> you can take one off the list if people are wanting to find you they can find you under kelly kennett on facebook and instagram i will put links Uh, in the in the show notes and you are based in far north Queensland and but you are you do do events everywhere so if somebody does want to hire you and bring you along to an event (laughs) they could they can contact you for that as well yes indeed beautiful thank you so much again for today thank you Jolinda As we end today's episode of the Divine Style Podcast, I extend my deepest gratitude for your presence and openness on this journey of self-love, self-discovery and spiritual growth. Farewell for now and may your journey inward bring you the self-love you seek.